0: The Voice of an Awakening World.
1: Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hello, my dear friends. I am so excited today, not only because I have a very powerful, wonderful, loving, compassionate guest, but that I get to sit live in the studio at Unity Village with my friend and radio show assistant, Lynette Setzkorn, who many of you who listen to the show often are well familiar with. It's just wonderful to be here at Unity Village. Ty and I are traveling around the country, as you know, and on our way back home, happen to be passing through the middle of the country. And so we're making plans for future events here at Unity Village, because this pandemic is not going to last forever. So stand by. If you're on my mailing list, you will be the first to hear about it. I love it here. love the energy, love the people, and it's just a wonderful place to do retreats. So with that having been said, oh, I know so many of you who listen, listen to this show because of the name to get hope, the messages of hope. But also, because I bring in guests who know how to take us to that place of healing, and many of you have suffered, endured the physical loss of somebody near and dear to you, and my guest today, Tom Zuba, knows that pain actually more than most. I mean, grief and—we all have—we it. We grieve in our own ways, and, and loss is relative, but he—let me just tell you his story real quickly. He doesn't want to focus on the story. He wants to talk on about how we get over grief, but he faced almost unimaginable loss over 15 years, and he survived. He lived through the loss of his 18-month-old daughter, Erin, in 1990. Eight years later, his wife, Patricia, died suddenly and unexpectedly, and then— In 2004, his son Rory died in a matter of months after being diagnosed with cancer. These experiences led Tom to his true purpose in life, and you'll feel that when he talks with us in a minute here, helping others survive and even thrive. Yes, it's possible after the loss of a loved one. In his two books, a website, classes, retreats, and events, he shares the lessons he's learned and the tools he has used to not only mourn and recover from loss, but to learn how to live radiantly after heartbreak. Tom, is that really possible? People are asking already.
2: I promise you. I promise you. Not only is it possible, but it's the reason that we came to the planet. Yep, yeah, we did not come here to suffer. We actually came here to be radiant, and not in spite of the fact that people we love finished all the work they came here to do, dropped their physical bodies and went home. We don't become radiant in spite of that. We can become radiant because of that.
1: And I can feel your radiance right now the minute you started talking. I got goosebumps when you're speaking truth with a capital T. And so we need to make sure that that those who are listening understand you did not react with radiance from the beginning.
2: So you did a beautiful job of sharing my life experiences. To me, in 2020, my life is fascinating. It's unbelievable. It's unimaginable. And the thought that my soul, in cooperation with the divine and with all my teachers and guides chose this life that blows me away it absolutely blows me away but this, this is really really hard for people to allow it to sink in my 18 month old daughter my little baby my first born died suddenly chaotically painfully the night that she died, I write about this in my first book, Permission to Mourn. I very, very, very seriously considered taking a knife, stabbing my wife, and then killing myself. And I knew I wouldn't have to leave a note because everyone would understand why I did what I did.
1: Yeah, but- I remember. <laughs> I remember reading that in the book, and actually, I watched your when you were on uh, Oprah. With, uh, at the show with, remind me, Gary Zukav. With Gary Zukav. Right. And you told that story, and it's shocking to hear that. But at the same time, anybody who suffered that kind of tragedy understands you just go a little crazy, don't you?
2: I don't think I was crazy. Hmm. I honestly don't think I was crazy. The pain is so intense. The future is so bleak and hopeless that the the only thing that made sense to me was mm. to end all of it.
1: Let me let me just stop there a second cuz you just made a great point and and I I always try to follow that be impeccable with your word and to have used the word crazy you're absolutely right. But we say we use the word crazy when we talk about something that's not in alignment with our highest good. So that would be a better way to put it. So how could possibly your highest good be to stick around, huh?
2: Exactly. Uh, I heard a little voice. I heard a little voice that said, or you could live. Or you could live. Or you could live. And for that night, I decided to live. But I want to make it really, really clear that that was a decision I made over and over and over again. I contemplated killing myself many times many, many times. My wife and I went on to have two little boys, and when they were three and seven, she died. She died suddenly, chaotically, with minimal understanding or explanation. And believe it or not, Suzanne, she died on New Year's Day not a great diet, not a great day to leave the planet for those of you that you'll leave behind and what was remarkable to me was that the next day january 2nd that would have been our daughter Erin's 10th birthday i want to share this with folks though while she was dying i literally i literally heard heard a voice that said pay really close attention pay really close attention. Hmm. You're going to tell the story on the Oprah Winfrey show to the world. Four months later, I'm telling my story on the Oprah Winfrey show to (laughs) the world. That caught my attention. Yeah. That caught my attention big time.
0: Were you
1: used to hearing a voice, the voice, inner voice?
2: I was, but I usually just ignored it. Mm -hmm. I just ignored it. I pushed it away. I was raised Catholic. I believe in the concept of the Holy Spirit. I believe in intuition. My pattern was to hear it loud and clear and say, Nope, I know better. I'm going to move right. This time, I did what I was asked to do, and I'm on the Oprah Winfrey Show. And, And what I said to myself after Trish died was, I want to be surrounded by people that are wiser than me. I want to be surrounded by people wiser. And when I was sitting with Oprah and the man who is my greatest teacher, Gary Zukav, who wrote *The Seat of the Soul*, I knew I knew I was in the presence of people that were wiser than me. So it took me a long, long, long time, but with my two sons, I. Did find, I did create what I'm comfortable calling a new normal. And I loved being their mommy and their daddy. I loved life. And my 13 year old son, who literally is a genius, 99th percentile, was diagnosed with a terminal brain cancer, a glioblastoma, when he was 13 and a half. And I thought, I'm going to push the envelope. I'm going to push the envelope. I'm going to literally see if I can engage as many people around the world through my CaringBridge site, Christians, Buddhists, Muslims, agnostics, atheists. I was going to see if I could build the biggest circle and if we could collectively create yeah. a happy, healthy, cancer-free Rory Brennan Zuba. That and I, and this just intention. makes
1: sense if, you're, if you follow Gary Zukav's work, and, and at that time Oprah was having lots of people on the spiritual path, so you're using that, that power of the law of attraction and all that and thinking we're going to be able to overcome this.
2: And you can heal your life. Louise Hayes. Absolutely. I was a follower of Abraham. I was a follower of Emmanuel. Yes, yes, yes. And the blessing, the gift of my son Rory's life, one of them, he died anyway. He left his physical body on 22205, and there was nothing. Nothing I could have done to keep him here. So based on my understanding of G.O.D., I firmly believe that Rory Brennan Zuba died at the perfect time in the perfect way. And that changed everything for me.
1: But I'll bet you would not have changed what you asked for.
2: Absolutely not. No, 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 no. It doesn't mean that we
1: just throw up our hands. We do everything we can to to be positive and create that right atmosphere, but we don't always have the big picture.
2: What I realized is that I'm not powerful enough to change the perfect mind of G.O.D., and that brings me peace.
1: Hmm. Well, speaking of the big picture, your wife let some signs out there that she had some idea at a soul level, even at a conscious level, that she was going to pass.
2: So I I want to be clear about this. If you had asked Patricia Brennan zuba if she was going to leave her physical body on January 1st of 99, she would have said, no way. No, 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 no. However, about 10 days before Christmas that year, she said, there's two songs I want at my funeral. Go, Lassie, Go. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. I said, sweetheart, I'm not going to be there. I'm going first. If you really want those songs, tell someone who's going to be there. (laughs) She kind of chuckled. Two days after Christmas, we're driving in the car. She said, Tom, I'm serious. Two songs I want at my funeral Go, Lassie, go. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Seven days later, I'm planning her funeral, funeral yeah. selecting the songs. She also, in um, September, she adored her father. Right. And her father, Pat, had died maybe two years earlier. In September, she started wearing his sport coat yeah. to work hmm. uh, in October, she started wearing his spork coat and his raincoat. And in November, she started drinking water out of a mason jar. And I said, Sweetheart, what are you doing? She said, I feel my dad everywhere. He's everywhere. He's all around me. And in December, she turned to me and she said, You know, I don't feel daddy around me anymore, but Aaron, Aaron, Aaron mm-hmm. is here. Mm-hmm. And that Christmas, she gave me a Celtic stone with the word journey on it. She gave me a mouse pad with a picture of me, Rory, and Sean. Hmm. She's not in the photo. Hmm. She gave me a book of Irish Christmas, song, Christmas stories. And this is what she wrote. Dear Tom... Thank you for giving me everything I ever wanted and giving it to me all over again. Love Trish. So as I reflected back on that, not only did she know above and beyond the five senses, but she wanted to make it crystal clear to mm-hmm. me that all was good, <laughs> all was good, that I did a really, really good job. And I appreciated that. Yeah, it's a gift.
1: It is a gift. I'm going to spend a lot more time, especially in the second half, on what you learned about the grief journey. But I understand that your son knew after his mother passed that she wasn't really gone.
2: My son did? Yeah, the light from the ceiling. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, that's so powerful. Um, Yes. So Rory was seven. Uh, Let me back up. When, um, when Rory was about five, he turned to his mom and I, and he said, whichever one of you goes to heaven first, when you meet Einstein, tell him to come and visit me in my dreams, because I have some questions for him. At five? Yes. Okay. When he, his, he was seven when oh. his mom died, mm. and he turned to me and he said, you know what, Daddy. I kind of think the womb is the portal of the soul. Whoa. I said, what? I said, exactly. <laughs> he repeated it, and I said, I'm going to have to write that down, sweetie, because I think you're right. So maybe 10 days after Trish died, um, it was interesting because he was sleeping in the top bunk, and Sean was sleeping in the bottom bunk. And Rory said to me, Daddy... Every night when I go to sleep, the ceiling opens up and a white light comes down. And it surrounds me and it surrounds Sean. And I said, where is that light coming from? And he looked at me. He was like, you don't know yet, Papa? He said, it's coming from Mommy. It's coming mm-hmm. from Mommy. And I literally said, please, please have her send me some of that light. Yeah. Yeah, he... he is an old, old, old soul who came here for really, really specific reasons. And we all know now he's much more powerful on the other side. Actually, as I'm speaking, you're getting to meet him, you're getting to meet Trish, and you're getting to meet Aaron through me. No doubt. What was
1: his purpose?
2: Oh, my Lord, number one, his biggest purpose for me personally? I knew, I knew, I knew I could love him. I knew I did a really, really great job of loving him. He was my favorite person I ever met in the entire universe. I knew while he was alive that I loved him really, really well. But in his death, I was able to really, really grasp the depth and the magnitude and the profoundness of my own ability to love another human being. So I knew, it. It, since I can love Rory that way, I can love his brother Sean that way. Mm -hmm. I can love myself that way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To me, that was his greatest gift.
1: So we say it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And you're turning that love to your other son. But do you still find yourself ever going into that? pity party that's very human to say, but why can't he be here in person to give him that love?
2: I believe that words have power. If I thought I actually lost him, Mm -hmm. my number one job would be to find him. He's not here physically, but I haven't lost him. I don't use the word lost. I don't use the word loss. They're not accurate. My relationship with Rory, with Trish, with Aaron, it's more powerful, it's more fluid, it's more real today than it was when they were here in their physical bodies. Do I ever have a pity party? I do not. Do I miss his physical presence? If he walked in the door at age 29, would I jump up and down, scream and shout? You bet I would. You bet I would. But, no, I do not have pity parties. I I haven't lived a tragic life. It's been a fascinating, blessed life. Mm.
1: So let's get into the grieving part now because I know that people who are listening, some of them aren't where you are now. And so what happens when somebody gets into that victim mode, which is so understandable because that's the way most humans think?
2: So the subtitle of my first book, Permission to Mourn, is A New Way to Do Grief. When my daughter Erin died, I did grief what I call the old way. I didn't know any better. I suppressed. I denied. I pretended I pushed that pain and that sadness, that loneliness, that despair, I pushed it down, 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 down. Um, Why? Because that's what men do. Mm. We don't feel our feelings. We don't feel our emotions. That's a sign of weakness. It's too painful. What do we do? We drink wine, we take Xanax. The doctor says, here's a pill. You don't need to feel that feeling that's what Americans do. We eat food, we watch Netflix, we work, 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 work.
0: Or how
1: Most about sometimes people get angry?
2: I love anger. I love, 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 love anger. I would much prefer to be angry than sad. Anger is energy, and it helps me get up out of bed in the morning. I love anger. It's hmm. powerful. I believe that grief and mourning are two different things. I define grief as the automatic, internal response to the end of a dream. Everybody grieves, and in this age of the coronavirus, we are grieving, grieving, grieving. Mm. The path to healing is mourning. Most people don't mourn, not after a week or two. It's not socially acceptable. Mourning is when we identify what's happening inside of us, and we get it up and out, up and out, up and out, up and out. That's how we heal. Mourning is the path to healing.
0: That's
1: what I love about your book. It's just, and we'll talk about your book more as we go along. But it's just so healthy, the, the tools that you share.
2: Thank you. And and they're rooted in years and years and years of being unhealthy, miserable, suffering, you know, and literally feeling like the best option would be to kill myself and end it once and for all. I do believe that every single human being does the best they can. We're Mm -hmm. all doing exactly what we need to survive. Mm -hmm. And when we know better, we do better. And the intention for my life is to show people that there's a new way. There's a different way.
1: Well, I have to tell you that I read cover to cover Permission to Mourn, A New Way to Do Grief. And the moment I opened it, I I was a little stunned because I read the introduction or the foreword, I believe it was, written in normal paragraph style, and then turned to the first chapter and it was written like in poetry style, in short little verse. And I thought, oh, this is just the way the first couple pages is. And then I... Fast-forwarded, and the whole book is written that way. And, Tom, it is beautiful, and it's perfect for people who are deeply grieving and can't focus for long periods of time. I'm sure this is part of your brilliance.
2: (laughs) I I promise you it is not part of my brilliance. (laughs) Friends of mine that read the book said, Oh, my Lord, I had no idea you would write in that style. And I said, Neither did I. When I was writing at Suzanne, I literally said, Every morning I asked to Mm -hmm. tap into the souls, the spirits, the energy of the people living that would read the book. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to pull from me what would be helpful for them to read. And as I reflect back on the style, my wife, Trish, loved E.E. Cummings, and I loved the author, James Fry. He wrote, uh, it was an Oprah book, really controversial, A Million Little Things. And to me, the book is written in a style similar to both of those two people, but that so that wasn't my intention at all. Mm-hmm. As I read it now, it feels to me like I'm literally speaking to the reader. So that makes me happy.
1: Yeah. And and I have to tell you, just the very first pages were so the only word that comes to mind is delicious. You were you were wishing for anybody who's grieving that you could create for them the perfect, comfortable bed, that they could just curl up in it and be there. And if they wanted to talk to people, okay, and if they didn't, okay. You just created this perfect environment for having been there in that, the grief of loss of my stepdaughter and, and other loved ones. You, you You created, in your words, the perfect environment to let us know we're loved no matter what.
2: Thank you. Thank you. As I look back, my life has always happened for me, not to me. And I never had that safe, sacred space. I never had that room. And the gift of not having it is that I hope every single other human being does have it.
1: But right off the bat, you call it permission to mourn. And that's telling the reader, even if they aren't gifted that from someone else it's okay to go curl up in my bed for a little while
2: right absolutely and it's okay to scream and shout and foam at the mouth and kick and scream it's okay to be fully human that's one of the gifts of the death of someone else it's supposed to wake us up so we can actually be fully human
1: just just define that fully human from your point of view
2: the full range of emotion. Be here now and feel all of it. Not what we've been taught is good and appropriate. All of it.
1: Yeah, that rem- you reminded me of the phrase, we're here not to feel better, but to feel better.
2: We're here not to feel better, but to feel better. That's it. (laughs) Yes, that's this God-given body that we're in. It's about feeling, feeling, feeling all of it. We are so afraid to feel sadness and pain and loneliness and anxiety.
1: Well, I tell you, you have so many good tips to share, and we have another half hour to share, but now we have to go to a break. Everybody is I hope you're as inspired by Tom Zuba as I am, and you'll join us in just three minutes. See you in a few minutes.
0: want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit join artist Susie k edwards for path of the butterfly a weekend workshop at omega institute's beautiful campus in rhinebeck new york may 24th through 26 experiment with a variety of art forms engage in mindfulness walking and silent meditation and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision this workshop is for beginners and professional artists Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, I was just talking with our wonderful guest, Tom Zuba, on the break, and just as the music came on, I was just saying, yeah, you really can kill, feel your family around. His daughter, Erin, his wife, Patricia, his son, Rory, and he knows more than anybody that they truly are still with us.
2: What is your relationship with
1: them now, Tom? Do you talk to them
2: actively? Every single day. Many, many, many times a day, yes Nice, nice
1: In what ways? just conversationally? Or?
2: So I'm getting ready to do a podcast with Suzanne geisman <laughs> Sit beside me, sit in front of me, sit in back of me Guide me in the direction that you want me to go I firmly, firmly believe that it's a team of four The three of them are the most powerful I'm the conduit, I'm happy to do that I agreed to it Nice
1: So let's spend this next half talking about
2: doing grief better.
1: Would you compare the old way and
2: what you say really works? I would never use the word better because that implies judgment. I'm not telling anyone what they should do. I'm honestly not. I would never tell anyone what to do. I share what has worked with me. I don't think there's a good way or a bad way. I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. For me, there's a way that has helped me create peace as opposed to creating pain. So through trial and error and through spending many, many, many years, not once, not twice, but three times in what I call a self-created hell on earth, I just, it's like a turtle sticking its little head out from its shell. And I looked around and I thought, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. And and I discovered a new way. After Rory died, I said, if I can claw my way out of this deep, dark, seemingly bottomless, hopeless pit of despair, I'm going to share all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the tools I've gathered with as many people as possible, so no one has to suffer like I did. So to me, it's not a better way. It's a new way and it's a way that creates peace. Like I said earlier, we didn't come here to suffer. That's not why we came to the planet. We came here to be cracked open And to live radiant, radiant lives. Now, how do we do that? Is that the next question?
1: No, I'm just thinking about people. I'm still stuck on when you said self-created hell on earth. I could feel some of the listeners going, how can it not be when you suffer a passing that deeply? And yet I can compare the hell I went through with my stepdaughter Susan's death and then look at my father's death and then look at my mother's death. And it's the pain we go through that makes... The subsequent pain less painful or we find new tools so talk about would you just talk about that self-created
2: so term? so the, the pain that we experience regardless of the root of that pain it's actually a gift pain is always 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 a gift when I'm willing not to numb the pain not to pretend it's not there, but when I'm willing to sit with the pain, to create a space for the pain, to hold the pain, then I can literally say to myself, this pain is rooted in a belief. This pain is rooted in a belief. Mm -hmm. What is that belief? What is that belief? 99.9% 99.9% of our beliefs are lies. They're lies. Yeah. Do we know that they're lies? Of course not. We've never examined them and most of them exist on a subconscious level.
1: I would love if you would give us maybe two or three examples of the most common lies.
2: The worst death of all is the death of a child. It is so So unnatural for a parent to have to bury their child. There is a hole in my heart that will never, ever, ever be filled. Those are three pretty big lies. Okay,
1: and then refute them for the people who are now kicking and screaming and want to turn the radio off.
2: Which one would you like me to deal with All of them. Oh, first? In order. In order? Okay. I had a client whose name is Maddie. Maddie's about 36, and she told me about her mother, who she called Mommy. Maddie and her sisters adored Mommy. Mommy was an integral part of Maddie's life. One day they called Mommy. There was no answer. They went to visit. No one answered the door. They broke in. They found Mommy dead in her bed. Next to Mommy was her dog. Maddie was devastated, as were her sisters, broken to pieces considering suicide her love for her mother was that intense it was that Mm -hmm. powerful it was that real of all the people I've worked with and I've worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people all over the world Maddie sticks out wasn't her child that died it was her mother that died the same for people I've worked with It might be their sibling. It might be their spouse. Their death is the worst that they've ever, ever, ever experienced. I believe that words have power. I believe in a self-fulfilling prophecy. I believe that if you inhale the belief and you sit with people in a circle that give energy... Did something just happen?
1: I think you're back. Whatever happened.
2: Okay. And if that that's the universe going, listen to this guy. That's it. <laughs> uh, um, sit in a circle and, and people are saying, yes, yes, yes. The worst death, the worst death is the death of a child. If you believe that, that's what you're going to create why why do we compare what is to be gained by comparing
1: you know it's this beautiful woman sitting across from me who said when i had a a passing of someone close to me she
2: said love is love is love is love is love and and pain is pain and is pain is pain is pain the second belief up until the turn of the last century fifty percent 50% of children under the age of 12 died. Hmm. It was very, very, very natural for children to die. The third one, a hole in my heart. I don't have a hole in my heart. My heart is ever expanding. My heart is filled with love and hope and gratitude and kindness. I didn't lose my people. I know exactly where they are. As I said earlier, the relationship that I have with them is stronger, it's more fluid, it's more powerful than it ever was when they were physically here. As I said, subtitle of my first book, A New Way to Do Grief. The subtitle of my second book, A New Way to Do Life. Really clear to me why I came here to this the planet this time. Yeah,
1: it's the stories we tell ourselves. Absolutely. Either help us or hurt us in moving forward.
2: They either bring us peace or they bring us pain.
1: So, if if all of you listening take nothing more from this program, and there's plenty to, plenty of takeaways, it's to look at what you're telling yourself and ask how that might be holding you back.
2: Pain is actually the door. If we're willing to walk through it, that will lead us to gratitude and abundance and love. When someone we love dies, we, I'm going to say almost automatically, but it's because of what the collective has created, the belief that the collective has bought into, we immediately fall into a pool of lack l-e-c-k lack Mm -hmm. and we swirl around and we swirl around and we swirl around and it it almost pulls us under we drown in lack in order to heal we have to move into abundance and for me and for many of the people that i work with gratitude is the door we enter to abundance and to healing and to becoming radiant. What does it look like to live radiantly? It looks different for every single person. (sighs) For me, it's the blessing of saying, I know exactly why I came to the planet. I know exactly what I signed up to do. I'm doing it. I feel like I'm in kindergarten. (laughs) I'm learning and learning and learning. I get up every morning so grateful. I'm excited about every single day. I can't wait to learn more, to meet more people, to co-create with the divine, with my beloveds. It's an energy. It's a... I, I love the word radiant. It's being wide open, so inquisitive. I'm, I'm
1: loving the way you feel now, and I, and I want to remind people that Thomas had two children and his wife pass, and he's able to talk like this now, so this is possible for any of us. But and
2: and I, I, I also want to remind people, in case they weren't able to take it in, Tom has very, very, very seriously considered killing himself, not once, but more than once. That's that's the disconnect for a lot of people. They forget, I have two dead kids and a dead wife, and there was nothing, nothing, nothing pretty about any of those deaths. Some people will say, yeah, but my son died from suicide. That's different, or mine was a heroin overdose. And what I'll say is, really? So you would prefer that your 13-year-old son dies from a terminal brain cancer, that they remove his left temporal lobe in surgery, that they recommend chemo and radiation, that sounds like a better path. I have suffered. I've suffered. I, I, can't, I can't underscore that enough.
1: Well, There's that word better that you recommend avoiding.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Don't Why you... do we rank? Oh, these are appropriate ways to die? These are desirable ways? These are the shameful, secretive, impossible-to-heal-from ways to die. Who Who said?
1: Well, let's talk about the subtitle of your, your book, the first one, Permission to Mourn, or not Permission to Live. Hmm. Is there a timeline when we... No. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no,
2: no, 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 no. I will be processing, holding, honoring grief rooted in the deaths of my three beloveds for the rest of my life. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. My objective, my intention, my goal is to learn as much as I possibly can. I don't believe healing's a destination. I believe for me, healing's my way of being. I want to heal a little bit more every single day.
1: Mm -hmm. And what do you say to those who are in the throes of those waves of grief that wash over us. It's part of the, this is the way it works. These waves come when you least expect them and we want to kick and scream and yes, we're going to feel it. We know that's what Tom said, but I don't want to feel this way.
2: I guess I would say why don't you want to feel that way? Because wise? it
1: feels horrible. Happiness is our right. I'm just quoting, okay?
2: <laughs> it does feel horrible. It really, really does feel horrible. And feeling horrible is the fire it's the fire that we have to walk through in order to be burned to the ground to be burned to ashes so we can rise again so we can rise again
1: i can't believe you said that because lynette's sitting here holding up her phoenix necklace the necklace of the phoenix
2: of course yes absolutely course. we're all connected yeah yeah. Mm. It's, there's nothing fun about it. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's, it's not, not, fun. not fun. It doesn't have to be as God-awful horrible as we make it because of the beliefs that we hold on to. But walking through fire, it ain't fun. But this is what I'll say. Every single person that's living with the death of a beloved, they have already walked through fire. Receiving the news the first couple of days... The planning the funeral or the memorial service, mm-hmm. surviving the first week, that first couple of weeks, they've walked through fire. They can do it again. They can do it again. They can do it again. And if they're really, really honest, I don't believe that anything that they're experiencing today is as painful as that first day, that first week, those first couple of weeks. How can I say that? I've done it three times. Mm-hmm. I've done it three times. Yeah, we, we, we can't walk around the fire. We can't pretend the fire isn't there, not if we want to heal. We walk through it, but and we it only have passes. to walk through it once.
1: It passes. It comes in waves, but it's not permanent.
2: And I would say be really gentle with yourself. Be kind to yourself. If your God-given barometer, your heart, your body is saying, you need to lay in bed today. Give yourself permission to lay in bed, to take gentle, loving, kind care of yourself. Get rid of the word should. Mm -hmm. I should get up. I should be strong. I shouldn't be feeling this way.
1: I love the advice you give about telling the story of the passing. Telling it until you don't want to tell it anymore.
2: Counter to everything. We've ever been told what we're told, what we believe. Yes, tell the story over and over and over and over again. What we're actually doing is we're trying to make peace with what has happened. We're actually just talking to ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like we're, we're putting together a jigsaw puzzle. The sad thing about life in 2020 is this is right from uh, carl rogers work in order to heal we need to have a safe sacred space where we get to feel every feeling and every emotion where we feel loved and lovable where we're seen heard and honored exactly as we are when i can have that space, When someone creates that for me, I can tell my story over and over and over and over again. That's how I heal. But anymore, that space is really, really hard to find. So we literally have to create it for ourselves. And that's foreign. That's foreign to most people.
1: But I do love that you say, you know, you will get to the point where you no longer want to tell it. And that's important that that we don't tell it and remain victim to the story. We use it as a path to healing
2: process. And and, and for some people, that literally may be 50,732 times. So it's like, don't stop telling your story. But like I said, it's hard because we want someone to sit on the bench with us and just listen to our story. And after about three weeks, it's very rare that anybody will. And I'll also say this. If you're a couple whose Mm -hmm. child has died... You cannot, you cannot look to your partner and expect or ask them to sit on the bench with you and hear you tell the story because two really, really broken people, they don't have anything to give the other.
1: So what do they do?
2: They, have to, they either have to find someone outside, a therapist, a coach, a counselor. Or they have to create that space for themselves I'm a huge fan of journaling you yeah, know they, yeah. they can tell their story through writing over and over and over and over again yeah
1: and I don't want to stereotype, but I hear this so many times from those who come to me for readings that the the woman wants to talk about the child and the husband doesn't want to
2: talk it's challenging and that's that's the way it is and that, i mean ninety eight percent of the people that follow me are women men uh, it's, I, I it's the younger generation let me back up one of the gifts of trisha's death is i got to be my kids mommy and daddy i got to be the mother and the father and what i realized is a whole human being is a balance of what we unfortunately refer to as feminine and masculine traits that's what a whole human being is most men will do whatever they need to do to make sure that there is nothing, quote, feminine about who they are. We consider feeling our feelings and emotions. We consider crying feminine traits. Most men won't do it. That's why men die first. The incidence of cancer, heart disease, et cetera, et cetera, that, that stored grief has to express itself mm-hmm. some way. I think that's changing. I think that's changing. I've literally set the intention to attract more men, and I am. I am. More more incredible, powerful, sensitive, vulnerable, honest men. That's good.
1: You, you talk about grief being a teacher, and this is very important, not the enemy. Would you expand on that?
2: Grief is transforming us, either... Consciously or subconsciously, we are either becoming bitter, closed off, hopeless, pessimistic, or we are becoming kinder, more loving, Mm -hmm. more grateful, more compassionate, more wise, more radiant. I choose the latter consciously. Most people live their life asleep. And the transformation occurs on a subconscious level. Yeah. Does that
1: make sense? It, it's perfectly. I love that over and over in your writing you say, say yes, yes, yes.
2: And sometimes saying yes is actually saying no. Nope, I can't be with you anymore. Nope, I'm not going to respond to your text. Nope. I'm not going to answer your phone call. Uh, the
1: so death that's of saying yes love, to yourself. That's honoring yourself, you're saying.
2: Absolutely. The mm-hmm. death of someone we love is the invitation to once and for all practice extreme self-care.
1: Why did you use those examples there about, I'm not going to answer your text, I'm not going to do this or that? How does that relate?
2: I worked with a couple of clients today who, uh, you know, believe that kind people spiritual people, you know, they get back to you if you text them, they get back to you if you call them, even if it drives them insane and causes incredible pain for them. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's okay. okay to be true to ourselves. We don't have to abandon ourselves.
1: Okay. And you, you you, definitely endorse using the body as a barometer. You mentioned that earlier, but would you just expand on
2: that for a moment? Absolutely. Our head, head, head will do whatever it can to hold on to the status quo. Our head, our mind, our brain does not like change. Healing will not occur in the head. Healing occurs in our heart where we feel Our body is our God-given barometer. You look at a little four-year-old. They enter a party at Christmas. They immediately, intuitively know which adults to avoid, (laughs) which adults to go towards. Um, The author of the Four Agreements calls it the domestication of human beings. (laughs) That was kind of beaten out of us. We all want to be loved. So we will do whatever we need to do, including abandoning ourselves, abandoning our God-given barometer to be loved.
1: Well, this Someone kind of, we love, we're running ahead. out of time here, so I don't want to miss this point. In your book, you, this is straight out of the book, you are either moving closer to the people you love who have died, or you are pushing them away by building a wall. What do you mean by that?
2: The universe expands, We're all part of the universe. We're either expanding or we're contracting. The people that we love are in a circle around us. They are knocking at our door. Amen. We sit quietly and we say, yes, yes, yes. Or we say, no, this isn't fair. My life sucks. This never should have happened. This isn't right, and each one of those are blocks that we use to build this wall around us, and we keep them out. We're pushing them farther and farther away. This is
1: a huge point, though. You're not
2: saying don't grieve. A- Absolutely not. No, 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 Kick. I'll say it for the third time. Mm-hmm. Kick. Scream. Yell. Shout! Get dishes and break them. Get a drum and beat on it. Right and right and right and right. Do it. Do, keep none of it in. None of it in. Get angry. Get sad. Don't pretend. Don't don't repress. Don't deny. But could I, I just
1: summarize know. your saying, but accept reality. It's uh, accepting. If this is how I would say it. Ooh, in 10 seconds, Tom.
2: <laughs> Don't believe the lies. Don't That's believe it. the lies. Seek for the truth. Your body recognizes the truth.
1: There we go. You have so many valuable tools in, the book, in both of your books. I hope everybody turns to them because we didn't even touch on a dozen of them today. Thank you so much, Tom, for enlightening us today.
2: You're welcome. Take good care. Appreciate you too. it.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you
2: ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the MindBodySpirit.fm Podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.